It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL and AM 1260 WBIX. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems. Well, we'll try at least. Anyway, uh, we have the all-data computer all fired up with technical service bulletins and recall information and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so we can we can try to try to help wherever we can. A little bit later in the program, we're going to be talking to Dan Strollo. Dan Strollo, a friend of the program, uh, is the executive director of the In Control Advanced Driver Training School, and they have reopened their location in Weymouth. So now they're in North Andover and Weymouth again. And we'll be talking to him a little bit later. And uh, we'll be talking about the car that got me here today, which is the uh, Mitsubishi Mirage. Uh, and... Uh, well, well, we'll have a little trivia question based on Mitsubishi, so we'll have that coming up too. And um, just uh, want to hear from you, whatever's on your mind about cars or car problems or anything like that. You can give us a call whenever you get a chance. Um, a 12-car collection dubbed the Jewels in the Crown will, be, uh, will cross the auction block at the Silverstone Auction. And this is uh, two of Queen Elizabeth's personal vehicles as well as uh, a few others and and they're sort of they're sort of interesting and I get this information because of the folks at Proxy Bid. Uh they've been on our program before to talk about uh, a variety of auctions but this is a secure auction site and they do a lot with cars. But some of the things that are coming up on the auction is a 200 uh, 2012 Bentley, formerly the personal conveyance of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth that was produced especially for the Queen. For, at her 2012 Diamond Jubilee Tour. Uh, if you're thinking about buying it, and uh, the Queen was the only one who'd been in it, apparently. Uh, it is estimated to be selling for 215,000 uh, pounds. A 1984 Audi Cabriolet, it was Princess Diana's family car. The beloved vehicle is in superb condition with a history file containing several good quality photographs of Diana using the car. She personally traveled an estimated 4,000 miles in this vehicle. Well, you know, she was a princess after all. Somebody else had to drive it. Um, but they figure that's going to be worth somewhere between fifty and 60,000 pounds. A 2001 Daimler Supercharged V8, formerly the personal conveyance of Queen Elizabeth, built to her personal specifications, uh, Her Majesty traveled 11,000 miles in this vehicle, and it was appropriately finished in British racing green and uh, remains in excellent condition. Um, a 19, uh, no, a 2005 Rolls-Royce Phantom, which belonged to Elton John. So if you're a music person, here you go. You can buy this for uh, somewhere between, they're estimating somewhere between 135 and 155,000 pounds. The odometer reached just 6,600 miles. There's extensive media coverage which shows uh, the owner driving it. A 1980 Rolls-Royce Silver Wraith, it's formerly the personal car of Princess Margaret. The the vehicle was used to deliver Princess Margaret in May of 19, uh, 
1980, it was delivered to her in her personal specifications. The vehicle was used for both public and private engagements, even transported her family uh, to her private funeral in 2002. They're thinking it's worth about 100,000 pounds. And this one just sort of almost fits, I guess, but I don't know, it seems kind of weird. It's a 1970 Mini Cooper. It, it was uh, it was modified by Wooden Pickett. The vehicle was once owned by John Hamill, the personal assistant and, gu- and guitar tech for Paul McCartney. And they're thinking that's going to be that's going to go for fifty thousand um, dollars. I wonder if Paul McCartney drove around much with his guitar tech in a Mini Cooper. But interesting. There's a and there's a few others as well. So uh, whether you want to. Whether you want to bid or you want to check it out or just go find the catalog, it's ProxyBid, P-R-O-X-I-B-I-D.com, and you can find out all the information about where the cars are, when the auction is going to take place. It's going to take place in a couple of weeks, so you can find out more information at ProxyBid. And it's a good place to look for those kind of things. And I have a special announcement coming up, too. Sunrise Sports. That's a show that's on earlier on Saturday morning. They're actually moving, and they're moving to right before us now, so from 8 to 8.30. Uh, these are two high school kids, uh, Spencer from uh, Quincy and Kevin from Milton. Um, they actually started the program. They've been, they're professional broadcasters. They've been doing it for two years now. They started when they were 14, and they're really good at it. And uh, interestingly, you can, if you heard them two years ago, their voices have changed a lot in the last couple of years. But they banter back and forth a lot. They take a lot of uh, live phone calls uh, about local and national sports. And uh, they, were, uh, they, were on, they were on from 7 o'clock. Sometimes, sometimes they were recorded. Sometimes they were live. But they decided they would uh, go all live now on Saturday. So they're going to start at 8 o'clock. I'll be on 8.30 till 10. Then, of course, Paul Sullivan and the Irish Parade and Matt comes on after that. You get the you get the whole lineup from there. But you can find out more information if you go to WROL.com. And if you uh, check the podcast and their scheduling, you'll see, you'll see everything, and they're going to move everything all around. So it's a kind of fun thing for Saturday mornings. I got an article about going on a road trip, and this comes from... Some website. Let's see. What's it say here? Feel free to use the information below. Let me know if I can set something up. It's Blitzify is the website. And it says, going on its road trip has its pros and cons. Pros, you're going on an awesome adventure. Cons, it can be costly. Or you can be traveling with family. You might not want to do that. But here are some of their suggestions. Download a gas app. One of the most costly aspects of any road trip, especially in Depending on the economy is gas. When you're traveling in an unfamiliar area, it's hard to know where to stop for the most frugal fill-ups. Uh, to aid in your decision, you can download Gas Buddy, Gas Guru, or the AAA app, by the way, which also has gas stations listed. Uh, these apps display the location gas prices of gas stations near you. Uh, most of the apps like these are free and update pretty regularly. Uh, yeah, it's all on our website, too, on AAA.com, and you can find it. Uh, the app has um, been completely redone. So if you haven't, if you are a AAA Northeast member and you haven't downloaded the app for your iPhone, check it out. Go to AAA.com, download it, 
and then put when it asks you to put your location in, it'll download the one specifically for us. We spend a lot of time on it. It works pretty well. It's a, it's a nice app. It also has things like parking information right nearby, and it has all your em- membership information too. So you can you don't necessarily need to carry your membership card with you card with you uh, if you have an iPhone because it stores it for you. Take side trips, it says. Have you ever gone on a trip and passed signs for museums or monuments that you think would be awesome to see in person? A lot of time in travel to make a few stops on your destination would not only entertain throughout your trip, but also give you a chance to stretch your legs. Um, Gassing up a rented or borrowed car. Chances are you've never driven a car. You probably don't remember which side the gas tank is. If you don't forget, look at the gas gauge as an arrow. Well, this is mostly in newer cars, and I swear that was put in specifically for uh, automotive journalists because I think we're the only ones who ever really complain that, well, one car, it's on the left side, the other car, it's on the right side. Once you own the car for a couple of weeks, I think you should know where the gas gas tank is. But Stay awake while night driving. If you're feeling sleepy, it's probably best to switch drivers or check into a hotel. But if you're feeling only a little drowsy, try listening to comedians on your road trip. This is the oddest suggestion I ever heard. The comedian will keep you laughing, and their jokes will keep you engaged, chuckling, and most importantly, awake all the way home. Here's the deal. If you're sleepy when you're driving, pull over, take a nap. The only thing that will really help you when you're tired is sleep. You can try a 20-minute cat nap. Here's how you do it. Here's the right way to do it. And this will give you a couple extra hours. If you're really tired and you're on the road, but you have to keep going. Get a caffeine drink, coffee, Coca-Cola, anything with caffeine in it, Red Bull, something. Drink it. Try to get a nap. Drink it first. Try to get a nap. It takes about 20 20 to 30 minutes for caffeine to get into your system. So try to get that nap. Don't, if you have your smartphone with you or something else, set an alarm because you don't want to sleep for more than 30 minutes because then you fall into REM sleep, and then you wake wake up groggy. So try to get no more than a 30-minute nap. The caffeine will help when you wake up. Do about a little 5- or 10-minute exercise program. So when you wake up, do a little 5- or 10-minute walk around the car, and that will give you about another 3 hours or 4 hours worth of wide-awake driving. But absolutely the best thing to do, plan out your trip, plan it out to get some sleep. If you're planning a, a trip from here to Florida, Break it up so you get some sleep. Don't try to do it in 24 hours. People do it all the time. And what they find out is, first off, if they make it, they're a wreck for the next couple days because they haven't gotten any sleep. So don't bother. Don't bother. No north from south, it says here. If you're old school and you like following paper directions instead of having a little square computer yell at you, you know that your pastor might end up uh, telling you a wrong direction by mistake. Remember that interstates and highways with odd numbers run north to south, and interstates with even numbers run east to west. If you get mixed up, this will help you. And Route 1, north and south. Route 91, north and south. Oh, wait, that doesn't always work. But they are right. They are right that uh, interstates, and that's the real that's the real thing. Interstates with even numbers run east to west, and odd numbers run north and south. Cool down hot cars quickly in the dead of summer. Stopping for only five minutes for a quick bathroom break can leave your car unbearably hot. To cool down a hot car in seconds. Roll down one window all the way and close the car door directly across from that a few times. 
This will force the hot air out of the car. How about just open both doors and let the breeze blow through? Uh, nowhere to get directions. When asking directions, some people gravitate towards gas stations. However, the best practice to ask for directions at a restaurant with a delivery service, stop in at a Pizza Hut or Domino's to ask for directions. Odds are they have a driver waiting for delivery that can give you a quick direction in that area. I don't know. They all seem to be running around with GPS or GPS phones, so I'm not so sure about that. But if you want more information about this, it's uh, Blitzify, B-L-I-T-Z-I-F-Y. It's a new mobile app that connects consumers and automotive service providers for comprehensive and innovative information. From the Herb Chambers Company, there was an article that said, should I lease or should I buy my next car? And this is a question I get all the time from people. And it says, buy if you prefer to pay more up front to reduce interest in the payments. You prefer a more flexible finance program that allows for some credit imperfections. You're okay with a payment that would be either longer term or at a higher payment. You spend a lot of time on the road for work or play and not comfortable with mileage limits. You have no intention of using your vehicle as a business expense. You want to prevent the added expense and ensure your vehicle with lower comprehensive and collision limits. You like keeping a car for a long time and having your payment build equity in your vehicle. You want to own your vehicle at the end of the loan and eventually apply the full equity towards a new car. You would like to pay outright for your vehicle and not be held to a monthly payment schedule. You want flexibility to require the option to sell your car and get out early if needed. I got an email from someone this week who has a problem with the Toyota RAV4. The the um, connection for her smartphone never seems to work right. It deletes information, and some of the some panel on the side of it, the paint's been bubbling, and they've repaired it a couple times. But it's a lease, and she can't get out of the lease. She wants to get out of the lease, and they won't let her. Uh, so there's always the problem with the lease. So according to this article, it says lease if you want to pay as little as possible up front. You have good credit history will qualify you for the most competitive lease programs. You want to pay for only a portion of the car and keep your payments low. You don't use your vehicle for great amounts of travel or commuting that would pack on miles. You you intend to deduct lease expenses while claiming your vehicle is a business expense. You're prepared to spend more for a slightly higher auto insurance premium to meet the requirements of your leasing company. You enjoy getting the latest technology while enjoying a new car every two or three years. You don't mind a two- or three-year commitment as it is um, because you'll find out it's costly if you try to get out of a lease. Some are, some aren't. Depends on depends on the car. You're agreeable to starting over every time your lease is up and you enjoy having multiple options at the end of your lease. You enjoy knowing the guaranteed future value and not subject to the market value at the end of the lease. So leasing works for some people, doesn't work for others. Let's talk about the car that got me here today, which is the Mitsubishi Mirage GT. GT, usually Gran Turismo, usually implies a sports car. Well, that name can be used a little bit loosely sometimes. This small economy car is powered by a 1.2-liter three-cylinder engine that produces 74 horsepower and 74 foot-pounds of torque. The 74 horsepower is sent to the front wheels, in this case, through a pretty well-designed CVT transmission, continually variable transmission, uh, which actually which actually works pretty well. The overall performance is, well, there isn't much overall performance. Um, but this is not about performance. It's about cost and fuel economy. 
I didn't test the 0 to 60 time, but I did a little research, and they say 0 to 60 is about 12 seconds. Uh, the EPA says the uh, Mirage will get 37 city and 44 miles per gallon on the highway. I've been averaging about between 39 and 41 depending on how I drive it and where I drive it. So this translates into hybrid or diesel-like mileage that makes a Mirage the most fuel-efficient gasoline car sold today. The handling is okay. It's not a GT. Uh, This is an economy car and and doesn't try to pretend to be anything else. The ride's a bit jittery around town, and this little car requires a little concentration to get out on the highway because it's not fast, and you can't zip around an exit ramp at 60 miles an hour. Just not made for that. Where this car does well is really around town. The turning radius is small, and the car easily maneuvers around crowded city streets. It's really easy to park because it's just a small car. At this price, don't expect the luxury interior. The plastic surfaces are hard to the touch, and the seats have an inexpensive, firm feel. The controls are pretty straightforward and simple. Our test car had a connection for Apple CarPlay and Android, and a somewhat unexpected push-button keyless start. It's on the left side of the car not on the right side where we're used to seeing keys and push buttons. So it's just like a Porsche. So they, you know, this is the this is the GT part. It's got a push button starter just like a Porsche. Uh, automatic climate control, again, unexpected in the economy car. Um, heated seats and xenon headlights. So high-performance, expensive headlights are in this car. In the rear seat, the headroom and shoulder room is somewhat limited, although it's a little boxy, so it's not that bad. You put the front seat all the way back, it gets a little tight. In addition, the rear seat will fall flat. Um, It does lack some padding. Overall, the rear seat is not a place you want to spend a ton of time. Uh, But, you know, it's good enough, again, good enough for running around town. Storage is actually pretty good with about 17 feet of uh, space with the rear seat up and uh, goes to like a minivan storage, 47 cubic feet with the rear seats folded. Safety is addressed with four airbags, four-wheel anti-lock brakes, traction and stability control, rear-view camera, leather-wrapped steering wheel, 15-inch alloy wheels came on our GT model. Our test model also had, like I said, the automatic climate control and full-power accessories. Again, unexpected at a price of this car. The bottom line is the Mirage had some unexpected extras and returned hybrid-like fuel economy, but I'm not sure Mitsubishi hit the mark on this one. I would have preferred maybe a little less and even a lower price. Our test car came in at $17,330, which approaches some other nice cars in that category. Honda Fit for One, a very nice economy car. Personally, I would give the Mitsubishi an A for effort and a C for execution. I don't think they were quite there with the car. But uh, interesting car. Uh, I drove it it a lot. Um, I drove it to... Uh, Connecticut one day, and that was about a 400-mile round trip. Then I drove it to Falmouth the very next day. So actually I went from my house to Connecticut at quarter or five in the morning, went from Connecticut to Weymouth High School for their Automotive Advisory Board meeting, then home. So it was probably better than 400 miles that day. The next day, I went from my house to Falmouth to give a talk to the uh, Association of Council on Aging Associations. So it was a big event down at the Seacrest Hotel in Falmouth, a place that I don't believe I've ever been, uh, but that was uh, people from all over the state 
that have to do with the councils on aging. I did a presentation about some of the things that AAA has to offer. So that was that was an interesting time, and um, we um, we were able to uh, get get that done. We were there, and we had uh, uh, did a nice presentation with some folks there, and then left Falmouth, and then headed back to Providence, and then back home again. So probably in those couple of days, I probably put 650 miles or more on this car. And one thing interesting, when you drive it like that, the one really interesting part is you're putting gas in this car every day. A full tank of gas in this car gets you about 320 miles, which if you're driving around town, if you're driving like most people who drive 15 miles round trip back and forth to work, you have plenty of gas in the car you're going to fill up every couple of weeks. Uh, it seems like, but if you're somebody like I, I filled up this car every day. In fact, once I had to overpay and buy gas out on the highway, killed me. But it was, and it was Connecticut where gas costs too much anyway. Let's talk to Tom on somewhere here. Tom. I'm here. Hi, John. How are you? Good. Following the theme of last week about clean windshields, right now with winter coming, what do you think on the Rain-X product? I was in a store the other day, and I noticed I've never used it. Is, is that something worthwhile? Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny. I I was a big fan of Rain-X when it used to come in a metal can that long ago. Then it seemed like they changed the formulation a little, and it didn't seem quite as good. Now it seems like they've changed it again. Um, in fact, the window cleaner, the invisible glass, the the stuff that I was giving away last week, and we'll, we'll, right. um, that is called invisible glass and repel because it has a Rain-X type quality into it. I haven't tried it yet. Uh, Rain-X also has a window cleaner. Um, I, I'm not as wild about the window cleaner. I The regular Rain-X, it's funny, when we first picked up my wife's car a year and a half ago, they Rain-X the whole car. And it was, I forgot how good it was, you know, driving in the rain, especially just a little bit of rain. You never turn the wipers on. The water just blows right off the windshield, and it was amazing how good it worked. And they did spend, you know, they spent a lot of time. the The cars were um, the car the the car windows were spotlessly clean, but it did a good job. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's worthwhile. In fact, I'll tell you what: you stay on hold, and we will uh, we'll we'll send you out, we'll send you out a can of uh, invisible wow. glass and repel. How's that? Oh, wow. And that's really a repellent, too. Huh? Yeah, oh, that's that's, awesome. that's, yeah. that's what they say. Well, you know what? I'm in my car right now. I'm waiting in line to do some uh, recycling stuff in town, you know, and uh, it's just that light. We're getting these little droplets, and it yep. kind of made me think of it. As I'm listening to you, I'm saying, you know, I wonder if that Rain-X is uh, as good as they say it is. You know? Well, I'll tell you what. Stay right there, Stay right there, and Karen, Karen will get your address down, and we'll mail you out a can of it, okay? Oh, oh thank you. Very All right. Much. All right. Stay right there. Karen will do that. I'll go over to... Line three to Paul. Hey, Paul. Hi, good morning. I want to immediately follow up. First, thank you. Um, you sent me a can of invisible glass and repellent. came in the other day uh, just before it rained. Do you want to know how it works? I do want to know how it works. Yeah. Um, inside was perfect. Yep. Um, uh, I have the, the problem of, uh, uh, you know, the uh, particularly of the uh, vapor coming off the uh, dashboard. Yep. That seemed to, to remove it. Oh, good. Uh, okay. Easily. I tried the, and then I did the outside just before it rained, mm-hmm. and it, um, uh, I, the, the water pellets on the, um, on the windshield did seem to, uh, uh, 
be more controlled. Okay. Yes, I have the I have the uh, intermittent wipers, yep. the automatic wipers. Yep. It's kind of hard to tell, but it seemed to um, do everything it said it was going oh, to. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm going to try it again. Didn't try it on the uh, I tried it on the uh, rearview mirror too. Oh, all right. To, uh, see if that helped. Um, I don't know how long how long you have. To Yeah, I don't know. You know, I was, you know, the one place I was going to actually try it is on my phone because my phone's always filled with fingerprints and grime and yeah, just to see Uh, how how well it does keeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Um, it's a little bit. um, Yeah, I think it's a lot of fingerprints. Yeah, yeah, Uh, but probably less. I'm going to try it again, see if it builds up. Um, So I mean, I'd I'd recommend it. I don't know what it retails for, but it's probably um, not very much. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. But yeah, so I mean, it's it's far better than anything I used before. I, I've used the uh, 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 the one you mentioned before. Yeah, the, yeah, Rainex and yeah, yep. and it was it got. I remember when it got, it got a little streaky. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, um, this this foams up. Uh, it's easy to put on, and I did buff it as um, yep. you had on the other day. Yep. said you should. And I think that helps too. Yeah, no, the the, uh, the microfiber cloths do amazing stuff. I, I gave a can to somebody at work, and she said she got tired doing it all because it was too much work. But yeah, the yeah. only problem is um, the way my seats and dashboard are configured, and the way the windshield slopes uh, at an angle. Yeah, it's real tough to get. Right yeah, down in the, the little nooks and crannies. Yeah, that's they actually have a tool for that now. They came out with a little tool that gets down in those little nooks and crannies. Um, it's supposed to, you know, I, I haven't tried it yet, so I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to see what that's like. Yeah, because some cars down getting in those little corners are tough. Yeah, uh, and while I was waiting, I did download or am downloading the uh, AAA app. Oh, there you go. It, it's also, and I think you're. It makes you eligible for some sort of trip. Well, a I, gift. I, no, a gift, a car. Probably, I think. Uh, I, yeah, actually, you're you're right. It actually does make you eligible to win a Ford Fusion. I think. That's 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 fine. Not bad, huh? Well, I hope uh, you win. I thank you. Me too. <laughs> all right. All right. Take care, Paul. Thank Let, you again. I really all right. appreciate it. That's very nice. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Let's talk to Rick. Rick. Hey there. Hey there. Hey, it was uh, nice to meet. It was nice to meet you finally. By the way. What? It was nice to meet you finally. Yeah. <laughs> and then actually what I wanted to do, but it wouldn't work out in the station, was just to be outside the window waving while I'm talking with you. <laughs> and then um, I had a thought uh, this week, and maybe you can clarify. You know, with these automatic braking systems, yep. uh, they're not putting in cars. Yep. What happens if you do it on, if it hits on, while you're on a piece of ice? Um, it, it works, it works like, it works like regular anti-lock brakes will. So it does exactly the same thing. What we've found, what we, there was a good article written by, uh, Craig Fitzgerald, who's, uh, the guy over at Best Ride, who's been on this program before, about a car with automatic braking going into an automatic car wash and that, uh, curtain of, uh, that big brush curtain, uh, made the car stop. So like they they couldn't get the car out of the car wash. Ooh. Yeah. And the same thing driving into the car wash. You know how that you have to pull up, pull up, pull up before you get on the conveyor. Well, what happened was it saw the curtain up ahead, and it wouldn't it wouldn't go in because it thought it was driving into something. Yeah. Well, so I, my concern was was going into a skid in that, uh, and 
going sideways and stuff like that. Well, it, it's it's going to work like uh, ABS brakes after the automatic braking takes effect. So, but actually, with us any second now is Dan Strollo from In Control Advanced Driver Training, and we'll ask him that very question and see what he knows. Okay. That's okay. Good, Matt. All right. And, and if he's giving out one of the free. Uh, courses i wouldn't mind taking it all right <laughs> okay <laughs> thanks everyone, thanks rick bye. bye-bye with us on the phone is our buddy dan strollo dan strollo the executive director of in control advanced driver training good morning dan hey good morning john how are you good how are you you're you're calling from a hockey rink somewhere hi thomas strollo is on the ice and anytime we can have ice time after eight o'clock in the morning is okay with me <laughs> well you're, you're not you're you're the typical hockey parent that has to get up at like four o'clock in the morning to bring their bring their kids to ice to bring their kids to the rink i'm doing everything i can to avoid that i get the file out on his skates trying to skate you know ruin the edge so he gets the sport, but it's not working yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah, you could. Put, you could put wheels on them. You know, do you know, do all kinds yeah. of things. But hey, um, anything I can do. There, there you go. <laughs> um, you know, there, you know, I, one of the one of the reasons I always like having you on the program because you always give us some good tips uh, from from the programs that you run. But we have a couple things coming up right now. We have uh, we have Halloween just a couple of days away, and. Also, we have, uh, it seems like the deer population has never been bigger, and for some reason the deer are out during my commuting hours. What, what yeah. are some of the things, you know, I, you know, I look at, you know, both kids during Halloween and the deer population. This is really a time where you really need to think about constantly scanning the roadway, right? Absolutely. I mean, not that you, you ever shouldn't be scanning the roadway, but now, this this weekend and particularly Monday night, I mean, there are going to be things coming off the side of the road dressed in all sorts of shapes and sizes that you're – and they're just not thinking straight. I mean, I, I, the same boy who's on the ice who had his Halloween party at his school last night, and you'd, you'd think these kids had never seen candy before and that they're willing to run right out into traffic to, uh, to get to the school as quick as they can. So what I would recommend to listeners on Monday, you know, that everything you can do to avoid driving, uh, particularly at twilight and, and just as it goes into the early evening hours, you know, the, if you don't need to be on the road, don't do it because it, there are a lot of tragedies that happen uh, pedestrian-related with young kids uh, on Halloween and, and anything we can do. You know, the easiest way to avoid running into a poor kid is to just not be out there on the roads. And it can be difficult, you know, these these. Guys aren't thinking straight, and if something or someone just suddenly runs into the street, you've really got to be on your game to be able to react. Beyond that, absolutely, scanning the roadway, every light you've got available on that vehicle, you know, turn on your regular lights as it gets into twilight. Even if you've got the automatic lights, I would would make sure you've got your regular lights on, not just the daytime runners. And uh, if you're a parent and you're dropping kids off places, get those hazards on. Maybe even consider getting out of the vehicle so you can direct your kids. Uh, you know, there's some parents who actually drive between homes or are taking the kids to various parties or neighborhoods, and, you know, it's a dangerous time for them. And, and everything we can do to, to kind of keep an eye on the kids is huge. And to, for that matter, if you're dressing your kids up, you know, everybody loves the, the dark night, but put some sort of, you know, flashlight or, or one of those little bars that you can make glow-in-the-dark bars and, and have it on them. Just everything you can do to make the kids stand out. And I wouldn't mind some reflective material, you know, on that thing, too, just to put them on their, put it on their back, put it in places where the kid isn't going to notice it as much, but help them stand out when they're, they're on the road. 
Yeah, it's a, and mix, you know, mixed costumes. Give them a lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, anything yeah. you can do. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they're they're going to be excited by a flashlight, so just give them something that's going to stand out. And to your point on deer, I mean, exactly the same thing. And this is why the whole you know epidemic of distracted driving and and you know it's it's not related just to the telephone. Um, there's a lot of things that distract us as drivers, but. Uh, you're traveling at night and in the early morning hours, and I guess you know my understanding is from the dry summer we had and, and the, the, the the deer getting out and looking for food and water and all that, we're seeing them more, and uh, it's really easy to hurt yourself, uh, to cause a major crash with other vehicles on the road, and it just ruins your day if you can avoid that crash and and, and be able to aggressively either brake or or just avoid it all, all in general. Um, that's huge, and so we, we want you to see it coming so that you're not just suddenly part of something rolling off your windshield. That's right. Yeah, I, I on my way to work Friday on Route 95, probably near, I don't know, Attleboro-type area, there were two deer on one side of the road on the on the high-speed side and probably a quarter of a mile down the road, two more deer on the breakdown lane side, and they're just kind of hanging out, you know, nibbling on grass but you know at some point you know they're going to try to they're going to try to cross the road and doing it at seven o'clock in the morning you know not everybody is fully awake not everybody's paying attention and uh you hit a deer besides the fact that uh you're probably going to kill the animal uh it's more than likely what tends to happen is they they hit your car come up the windshield and slide through the windshield at you and uh and you know deer deer hooves and you aren't a good combination no, you can get really hurt. And, you know, I'll take it one step further with, with this whole dry summer business. I mean, one of the things we're seeing is a lot of people, their tires, when it wasn't raining all summer, you can get away with having a tire that's not doesn't have enough tread depth on it. Uh, yep. You know, you just don't have the same issues with water displacement. And, and So now we've had, I think I, I heard, six inches of rain this month, which is double our average, which is helpful. I guess it hasn't eroded the drought we were experiencing altogether, but... It's dangerous in that now we got leaves on the ground and puddles and and people are driving these tires that and on top of the fact that you didn't necessarily notice the tread depth issue, you know, dry weather tends to wear your tires out a little bit faster than if you had some wet weather in there. And so, you know, you've got people who are driving around right now on tires that just don't have the tread depth to keep them safe, particularly in wet weather. Mm-hmm. Now you, you need that tread depth to stop, to turn all the things to avoid a crash. And, you know, this would be a good time to encourage people to go outside. And if they don't feel comfortable checking their tire themselves, stop into a Sullivan Tire or some reputable tire store and ask them to check for you. And and that will certainly help you uh, reduce your exposure. Yeah, yeah. And the good folks at Sullivan Tire are part of the Rubber Manufacturers Association Beat Tire Smart Plan, which which you go in, they'll check the tire pressure, they'll check the tread. And if you need tires, they'll 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 let you know what's going on. Uh, and you know it's it's easier today to go get a you know I think it's easier sometimes to get a, a burrito at a gas station than it is to get air in your tires. So you know when people tell me I have a, a low tire on my car, I always say go to Sullivan Tire or some other good tire store direct tire or somebody. They're going to air up your tires. They're going to check them. They're going to check them out. And this little cold snap we had on Wednesday. Tuesday into Wednesday and Wednesday into Thursday, all I got was uh, phone calls from people, oh, my low tire light's on, my low tire light's on, because the temperature changed. And uh, as somebody as somebody said to me, it's physics, guys, figure it out. Cold weather, molecules, temperature drops, and uh, I won't even talk about Patriots footballs, but... 
<laughs> no, but it's a learning moment altogether. <laughs> yeah, no matter how you look at it. So tell us the, the big news about your school is you guys are back in South Weymouth, right? We are. We are. We're regularly training both in North Andover and South Weymouth. We're trying to make some trips out to Westfield, which is Barnes Airport out in the western part of the state as well. And, uh, yeah, we've been pretty busy. I mean, unfortunately, Massachusetts is not doing itself any favors in the driving department. Uh, recently, we were noted as 48th place, I believe, uh, for seatbelt use. And uh, we, did, we did a project with the Executive Office of Public Safety and Security over the spring into the summer. And I'll tell you, you know, for the parents out there that have their kids wearing that seatbelt in the back of the minivan con- consistently, you'd be blown away by how many of them take the seatbelt off once they become a junior or senior in high school. Mm. And uh, they're driving to and from school each day without that seatbelt on. So we're trying to get out and work with as many teens as possible. That's really our passion as an organization. But we, we really train anybody. Uh, we've been tra- we just finished training, the, or I think we're about to finish training the Waltham Police Department. We work with uh, commercial drivers as well and really – the experience I'm finding, and, and this is kind of neat, we've got a number of board members on our uh, board that are with the insurance industry, and they've been going back and looking at their data now that we've been doing this a few years and their policyholders have been enjoying discounts. And not only is it showing that we can increase the discounts for the teens because they're crashing at such a low rate, but they're finding that the adults, 25 years and older, I guess is the way they measure it, are uh, – uh, seeing a similar and, in some cases, better reduction in crashes compared to the norm. So, again, this is just something, this, this particular brand of training is something that you don't do typically. So if we can get everybody to do it, we really could keep the roads a lot safer. Yeah, I, and, and let's talk a little bit about the program. It's uh, about four hours long. It's Correct. Four and a half hours generally. We run it on the weekends. There's a class going on right now. I think we're up in North Andover today. Uh, we run it Saturdays, Sundays, weekdays. Right now, we're seeing a lot of people start to register for the school vacation weeks and, and time coming up in December and the end of November. Uh, basically, what we do is we, we put you into emergency situations where you're driving or experiencing some of it as a passenger with our instructor driving, and we teach you how to stay in control of the car. We provide you some skills, hopefully work on some instinctual reactions. And then this other piece, you know, particularly with the younger crowd, but as adults, we, we tend to think we're invincible as well. We, we, we try to chisel away at that invincibility and, and provide some humility into the area of uh, recognizing how dangerous this, this driving thing is and how it's so important to be paying attention and, and to be in control. And that, you know, the idea that you're piloting a, uh, you know, 4,000-pound object down the road that can get down the road pretty quick especially with kids, not a lot of experience. I mean, the the number's been around for a long time, but it takes, what, five years to become a pretty competent driver? Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it, you know, it's experience being the key. I mean, we're seeing more and more kids put off getting their license until they're older. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some subset of that group goes off to college and potentially doesn't need to do much driving over four years. Then they come home, and whether they live in the basement or they go off to their first job, you know, at some point, we're finding kids or uh, you know young adults getting their license in their early twenties, or mm. or potentially doing their first real driving in their early twenties, and the the crash rates are starting to you know be exposed there that that, that aren't really good. And you know, uh, we've said this before. Back in two thousand and eight, when the cost of fuel went through the roof, 
you know, we saw a reduction in crashes as a country that everybody was pretty excited about, but I don't think the reality is we suddenly all became better drivers. We just drove less simply because it was so expensive. And so the last two summers, we've seen pretty substantial increases. And I know the teen side of the equation increased uh, greater than, you know, its percentage for the the adult. So as the cost of driving and the economy has been improving, we're seeing more kids get out on the road and Anything we can do to make sure people recognize that you've got to take this thing seriously. At the end of the day, I would love it if everybody could be trained, but I really want people to recognize that this is not just, you know, get behind the wheel. And the cars are not autonomous yet. And, uh, right. you know, we'll see that. And, I, and, in fact, I heard your caller with the question. I've had personal experiences, and I know you test a, a number of cars. You know, you've got these vehicles now where they're going to break for you if something is in front of you. And I was in a torrential down and the vehicle decided to, that I needed to stop. And that could have been extremely dangerous if there had been people behind me. And it, similarly, you know, I think the autonomous car thing will come, and eventually that will be, you know, a great thing from a safety perspective. But it's really not ready for prime time just yet. Not, so not quite yet. rely on that. They need to pay attention. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's interesting that, you know, where you would normally – expect ABS to work, and if automatic braking kicks in with the combination of ABS, and you're totally not prepared for it, it could become a real panic situation for someone. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's another one of these things is we've, you know, as long as I've been involved within control, we've really tried to discourage parents from letting their kids drive SUVs as their first car. Just the size, the suspension, they're a lot easier to lose control of. With the stability control systems that are coming in, we're starting to see statistics that suggest they're safer. And mm-hmm. you know, just you can always look at them and say, all right, well, is the crash rating one thing? But we always try to say, I also want your kids to be in a car that if there is a crash, they'll survive. But more importantly, it's less likely to crash in the first place. Right. But I will tell you, we have seen, you know, when those stability control systems kick in, particularly when we've done some of our winter classes, the the kids and adults, for that matter, take their hands off the wheel like it's suddenly driving itself and could be headed to danger if we don't mm. get over it. So, you know, that's one of the things I fear the most. And this is so true of a lot of this technology. You just put it on the vehicle, but you buy that car. The, the salesperson doesn't necessarily know much more about it than you do. And so you don't really get trained on it. That's yeah. really one of our main objectives. And I, I could see, in fact, in control kind of changing some of its stuff. You know, we added a distracted driving drill six years ago because we, you know, we were already doing some things around general distractions. We added one that was more specific to texting and driving because we saw it being as big a problem as it is. I imagine we will start to embrace some other things around stability control and how to react to it simply because people aren't doing the right things now. We need to change that behavior. Right. It's it's amazing how, you know, I, I talk to, like you do, younger people all the time, and you talk to kids that are, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old, and they think nothing of saying, okay, somebody's going to be the designated driver tonight because we're going out and we're, you know, but they don't. And they'll actually appoint someone as a designated driver, but think nothing of picking up their phone and texting at 60 miles an hour. Absolutely. Well, and all those things, you know, the, the, everything that goes into the, the, the quick solution. I mean, there's, there's so many things that people can do if they're a little bit more proactive. And, and the same is for parents. I mean, parents are relying on au pairs or babysitters to drive their kids around who are young and have very little driving experience. I have had, I I mean, unfortunately, I feel bad for my kids to some extent because there are certain parents I will not let them ride with because I've seen them drive. And, you know, the reality is 
driving is the most dangerous thing we do. You know, we've got an opiate epidemic that's coming in, but it pales in comparison to the number of people, young people in particular, that we lose in car crashes. Yeah, so, no, it's, it's if, if you I know... People not take it seriously. Yeah, you know, the, when, the, when the Tesla got in a crash and the driver died and it made every TV station, radio station, and newspaper, you know, in the United States... Um, Everybody said, wow, look at that. And I said, yeah, but what about the 100 people that die every single day behind the wheel? And somebody yeah. said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess maybe we should think about that. What happened? What happened? Uh, the United States was the safest place to drive a bunch of years ago, and now we're fifth or sixth or something. What happened to us? Actually, I think the way the last time I looked, which was from, I think it was 2014 or 2015 data, we we're about 38th. Ew. What happened to so, us? So, I mean, we we – we did a really good job on the technology side because there are fewer people getting killed today than there were back in the 70s, mm-hmm. but these other countries focused on education. And this doesn't take anything away from the driving schools that exist here in Massachusetts. They have a particular you know, mantra from the state of Massachusetts, and they are required to do certain things. But if you go get your license in some of these other countries, you're going to spend two or three times the amount of time in a classroom. Your on-road hours are going to be substantially more. And frankly, the road test. I mean, I look here in Massachusetts, and if you go, it's a union-organized thing. You cannot spend more than five minutes driving in a road test. Usually it's three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that, you know, the vast majority of teens are getting their license, but then they're crashing, you know, at rates far greater than half of them in the first year or two. Now you look at some of these other countries, it's an hour-long road test. Yeah. Some of them require you to take the car to a skid and, and prove you can regain control. Most of us who have our license would not be able to retain the license under those circumstances. So until we take it more seriously, and, and I really, I believe we need to grow to that model where you really have to have full and complete control of that vehicle because I think it will change behavior. You, it will be much more difficult for you to even consider texting at 60 miles an hour if you recognize what could happen if that car got into a skid at that speed or if you suddenly had something, a deer, jump out in yeah. front of you while you're not paying attention. So you're telling me if the uh, if the Strollo family was heading down to Disney World and the pilot just said, hey, I just I just completed my pilot exam. I landed and took off. Let's get in the plane. You'd go, go. what? what? Yeah. You, won't, you only have five minutes worth of, worth of uh, flying experience? And you're going to fly my family well, to Florida? What are you, crazy? And John... It- you bring up a really good point. I mean, in the world of aviation, if you know anybody who flies, safety is cool. It is respected. And that is one of the things. I mean, if you use your blinker in the state of Massachusetts, it's seen as a sign of weakness. You're giving, you know, you're giving information to the enemy. You can't use your blinker. Yeah. Huh. And that's what we need to change. I mean, you know, that's where as a society, and I don't have all the answers to that part of the equation, I can tell you that when we work with, with teens, parents, we had a group of state legislators go through the program while they were considering this, the primary seatbelt bill, and one of them told me there was no way we would change their mind. And 30 minutes into the experience with us, the guy came to me and said, i got to eat my words. I'm totally blown away by what I didn't know about driving. Right. That's what we need to do somehow to all of us to the point where we say it's unacceptable to deal with this many road tragedies. It's unacceptable to have your car crash because, you know, someone wasn't paying attention or you weren't paying attention, don't call it an accident. These are crashes. So much of this stuff is avoidable if we would take this driving thing more seriously in the first place. Yeah, I, I had the uh, opportunity to talk to Mark Rosekind, the director of NHTSA, one day, and I said to him, how many crashes are avoidable? And he looked at me and said, all of them. And I, and I kind of went, hmm, okay. 
And then, then of course, I asked him, well, why are, why are death rates going up this year? And he gave me the best bureaucratic answer I ever heard. He said, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> You're the one that's supposed to have all the answers. He's like, I can guess. He said, I can guess gas got cheaper, people are driving more, people are paying less attention. But he said, scientifically, I don't know. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's a great answer. And, in fact, you know, you talked about, you know, other parts of the country, and you, through email, introduced me to a guy, a retired doctor, who talked about the Dutch Reach, which is which is pretty fascinating. It's, you know, there's a lot of bike riders on the road, and a lot of bike riders get either almost hurt or hurt when someone flips open a door and they don't see them coming. And the Dutch reaches this idea that you use your right hand to open the door, which forces you to swivel in the seat and actually look backwards to look for cars coming or bicycles coming. And it's such a simple thing, and it actually makes a ton of sense. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I immediately thought of you when he introduced himself to me because he only had to explain it for 10 seconds, and I said, that's brilliant, you know? Yeah. Not only are you swiveling, it's it's a weaker, you know, opportunity. You can only push the door so hard from that angle. Yeah. Everything about it. And on top of the bike and pedestrian issue, I have a buddy of mine uh, who works in New York City driving, uh, well, some sort of recycling metal system, and so he's always in trucks, and he takes off a door or two, you know, uh, a week uh, driving down the streets (laughs) of New York City in a truck. I was like, if all these people just slowly open their door, you would save yourself a lot of time. So, no, and that's so much of this. I mean, I, I thought what he was bringing to the table was brilliant, and there's so many of these things that are just little, simple concepts. But even when you hear them, these teens and driver's ed learning the three-second rule as far as how far mm-hmm. to follow the vehicle in front of them and, and the ideas of how to you know use their braking system and where their hand should be, they're all simple concepts. But if they don't appreciate the magnitude of how important they are, they're not going to take them seriously. And and that's what, you know, I, I, my son's now uh, practicing hockey, and he's, he's uh, 10 years old, and in six years or so he's going to be playing in the high school level. Well, you know what? In six years he will get his permit, and six months later he's going to be, you know, on the life level opportunity out there on our streets. And so it, it, six months' worth of training versus years on some of these things, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And I don't know whether – we need to get the schools more involved early on. I know I'm personally talking at middle schools now, trying to get parents thinking about this, trying to get them to model the right behavior. Uh, anything we can do to get the society to take the driving more seriously, then you know we will push towards the autonomous car thing. But in the meantime, let's make sure that everybody's educated. Let's put some resources into that as a country. I think you should keep your kid practicing. The Bruins need a goalie. <laughs> oh God, no! That's more pad. I can't even imagine how much more expensive that is. Uh, let's uh, let's tell people about your website. Where where can they find you and find out more information about the school and and uh, also point out that uh, no matter who you are, you'll save some money on your car insurance when you're done. Yeah. So uh, the website, uh, and I always tell people we're much better crash prevention trainers than we are website designers, but we're working on that on the side. Uh, the website is Drive In Control. That's Drive I N control.org and you can call us anytime at 978-658-4144 and my name is dan i answer most of the emails i don't always get every single phone call but you're welcome to uh 
contact us through the website, and I'll be happy to answer any questions folks have. And, you know, this is the holiday season coming up. We get a lot of families do this together. If anybody wants to uh, organize a group within their community, their church, their town, their sports, sporting team, whatever it is, we've got a lot of those phone calls going on right now, so we're help, happy to help with that. Yeah, no, it's it's all good stuff. Uh, I can personally vouch for it. Marita McKinnon, my former producer here, went through the school because uh, she had a little oops with her RAV4. Dennis, our Former former producer went through the school, and uh, you know it. He was crashing his car every six months driving through Boston, and uh, and as far as I know, he's uh, he's gone through the school, and he's been he's been clean ever since. So uh, it, yeah, as, it's, I, as I understand it, he had to retire his nickname of Crash. Yeah, that's 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 that's, that's that's what I hear. That's what I hear as well. So a lot of a lot of good things going on. So uh, it is uh, it's uh, driveincontrol.com. Uh, a lot of information on there. Look at the video you guys did with Chronicle. It really helps explain everything. A lot of good stuff on the on the website. And you know, rather than going out and buying the latest greatest video game, put your put your teenage kids through this course. It makes a whole lot more sense to me. John, I appreciate your time today. I really do, and I uh, I look forward to seeing some of your listeners. And uh, I'll see you at the next road safety conference that we bump into. Each All right. All right. Thanks, Dan. Take care. That was Dan Strollo, Executive Director of In Control Advanced Driver Training. We uh, Drive In Control is the website. It's worthwhile and uh, some great tips about Halloween safety and deer season and everything else that's going on these days. We need to take a break. We've been talking for way too long. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We will be right back. Roxbury Latin School, Belmont Hill School, Dexter Southfield, Boston Latin School. Behind me is a partial list of top quality schools in our area, and all of these schools, all of them, are made even better by graduates of South Boston Catholic Academy. South Boston Catholic Academy is a special place where a faith-based education thrives, where vibrant learning and academic excellence are the norm. High student expectations, enviable teacher qualifications, strong 21st century technology, and Boston is our extended classroom. At South Boston Catholic Academy, our Catholic faith is a key component of our understanding of optimal child development. Our emphasis is on creating moral citizens, building community, embracing the idea of service to others, and developing Developing leadership skills. Father Robert Casey and Principal Nancy Carr work closely to ensure that all faiths feel welcome for the absolute best for your child. Learn much more at sbcatholicacademy.org. Ladies, mark your calendars now as Salem Media Group proudly presents the Women's Strong event coming up on Saturday, November 5th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Crossroads Worship Center in Weymouth with featured speakers Pastor Liz Walker and Pastor Karen Redwanski. I don't know about you, but my life is so hectic and so filled with surprises that we need an encouraging word from the Lord and an encouragement from one another. I'm thrilled to be a part of this. This is about what it means to be a woman in the 21st century. Maybe you've had setbacks and how are you going to move forward? At the end of that day, we're going to go away stronger than how we came. Admission includes a continental breakfast and lunch. Tickets are just 
$1,000. Get yours by logging on to WEZRadio.com or WROLradio.com. Just click on the Woman Strong banner and get ready to join us at the Crossroads Worship Center in Weymouth on Saturday, November 5th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. We're putting this day together for you. Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to The Car Doctor program. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. In just a bit, we'll do a trivia question again. Our trivia is brought to you by the Busted Knuckle Garage, where they're going to be giving away the prize. I, I, I wonder if everybody got their little magnetic fingers. <laughs> he, Warren tells me he sends them out all the time. So Busted Knuckle Garage, remember, if you go on their website uh, and you put in my name, I think you have to put in BN. G and then my name, John Paul, you will get a 10% discount for another month or so. Uh, so if you want to buy those Christmas gifts and so forth, you can, uh, you can, you can check it all out. But right now let's talk to John, John, John. Hi, John. How are you? Hi, John. How are you? Good. Good. I had spoken to you a couple times about my 99 Maxima that was running badly. Yes. And I had, um, changed the plugs that yep. really didn't seem to yep. help at all. And then I finally got another um, check engine light, and it was the same misfire cylinder three okay. that it had been. Um, so at that point, I decided I'm just going to try changing the uh, coil. Coil, right. That had been a yep. problem in the past, and that, that seems to have fixed it. Yay! Now, did you change the coil or just swap it. it with another one? No, I bought a new one. No, bought a new one, okay. Yep, and it's running fine now. Um I'm just kind of surprised that the first one that went bad, the car ran horribly, like no power, mm-hmm. no drivable, you had to shut it off. But this time it just was, you know, again, it was bad at, at low RPM right. and at idle, but it wasn't horrible. And I'm just, do you have that kind of a range of... Oh, yeah. I mean, you you got to think a coil a coil is capable uh, in a in a you know even your ninety nine car which we'll call a modern car is capable of forty to sixty thousand volts of electricity to fire a spark plug off. Old time old coils in uh, point ignition systems were capable of twelve to fifteen thousand maybe twenty thousand volts. Now you take that coil that should be putting out forty or fifty thousand volts and it's only putting out half of that. Well, it's still going to fire the plug. Uh, even though the the plug gap is different than it was, I mean that's why you know one of the reasons why older cars had tighter plug gaps because the spark just couldn't jump across it quite the same way. It wasn't as hot as it was. But you take that and you say, okay, this coil's not dead, but it's only putting out 
20,000 volts instead of 40 or 50,000 volts, well, it's just not going to fire the plug the way it should. It's not going to fire the plug consistently. And in a lot of cars, um, there's sometimes the coil will fire two plugs at the same time. You know, some of these four-cylinder cars that have that have eight spark plugs, they're they're working a little bit harder. So, um, yeah, it's it's possible that when they go bad, they don't go bad completely. The you know the best the best thing that can ever happen to a car, no matter whether it's a ignition coil that goes bad, a computer that goes bad, or, or you know the something simple like the horn doesn't work, is when it totally breaks. You know, all of a sudden you go, okay, the horn doesn't work. Well, it's it's the relay or the fuse because it's broken and it just doesn't work. So I start looking at things that don't work. But when it only doesn't work on Thursdays, you know, then it becomes a lot harder to figure out what it is. And the same thing with your car and the coil. But it's good that it misfired. It's good it misfired. It, it's good it misfired and identified the same problem because sometimes right. what happens is you'll get these random misfire codes, and all it tells you is, well, the engine misfired, but we can't tell you which one it is. Yeah, and that's what happened the first time one of these things yep. was bad was I got multiple kind of generics, and only finally did I get one that pointed to right. six. So. Yeah. And when they go bad, and when they go bad all the time, like I was, I was uh, somewhere, and uh, it was a. I want to, I want to say it might have been a Mustang, but I'm not. It might even be making that up. And it was an en- engine that had a misfire. It legitimately had a misfire. The check engine light was flashing, and we were trying to figure out. You know, you can you can see half the plugs in a Mustang. And I said, I said to the guy, "Well, you got a spray bottle with water in it?" And he says, "Yeah," and sprayed the manifold, and you'd hit. The plugs that were firing, the manifold would, you know, the water would go up in steam, came over to, you know, making it up, plug number five, sprayed it, and it just kind of went, well, because that cylinder wasn't getting hot enough, and at least that told us that that was misfiring. In that particular case, the plug was fine, the fuel injector was bad, because we actually popped the fuel injector out, swapped it with another one, all of a sudden that... That that cylinder was firing, the other one wasn't, so it it was a bad fuel injector, but we identified it kind of the old-fashioned way, and it was just one way to happen to work. Got another question for you. I'm going to change oil today on my girlfriend's 2013 Civic. Okay. Now, the monitor that tells you how much oil life you have left, that's not actually looking at the oil, right? Is it just counting down miles? It's It's an algorithm of starts, mileage, and time. It doesn't actually, some cars actually have a sensor that sits in the oil pan and measures moisture, but this one's just, this one's just using a bunch of, bunch of fancy math. But, it, but it's, it's okay to go by? Oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're remarkably accurate. In fact, um, I remember I was talking to somebody who didn't quite believe what it said, and it had 25 or 30% oil life left, and they actually spent... 40 bucks and sent an oil sample out and the oil sample came back that the oil was still in pretty good shape. So, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty amazing the way they work and how they work. And, and Honda's pretty much gone away, you know, done away with all of their, you know, maintenance based on maintenance, based on mileage. They do it. Everything's based on this, uh, you know, everything's based on this minder system. And, you know, for somebody who's trying to figure it out, uh, you know, there is, you know, some people have come up with, um, 
service tables based on what they think is normal and probably what's normal on an on an oil change with that civic is you know every 10,000 miles how many mile how many miles does it usually take between oil changes when that light comes on do you know I'm thinking it is around 10 around 10,000 yeah yeah and and you know I wouldn't not go more than a year but I would you know, if you know, check the oil all the time because even good, you know, even good engines will use a little bit of oil, and that's always my fear with these long oil change intervals. Is somebody, you know, somebody says, "Well, I only have to change the oil once a year or every every ten thousand miles," but sometimes even a good engine can burn a quart of oil every couple thousand miles. By the time you get to ten thousand miles, if you've burned through a couple of quarts of oil, all of a sudden, next thing you know, you only have two quarts of oil where there should be four and a half. Yeah, so it's still important to check it, but uh, use a good use a good filter. Make sure you use the right oil for that too. Yeah, I had a quick question on the filter. I mean, is there really any anything to using the filters that are supposedly made for synthetic oil as opposed to the you know the basic filter? You know, I. I... <laughs> You know, it's funny, Lauren Fix, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, she said something about make sure you use those synthetic oil filters, uh, those filters for synthetic oil. And afterwards, I'm like, why? <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, I, and to me, if anything, an oil filter for synthetic oil, you know, so much of this stuff to me sounds like marketing. You know, we all of a sudden now we have an oil filter that's made for synthetic oil. What's the difference between that one and the one that's made for regular oil? If anything, synthetic oil keeps the engine cleaner. Uh, the oil flows differently. Um, seems like you could use less of a filter, not not a better one, but um, yeah, I you know the the synthetic oil filter thing to me seems a little bit too much marketing. I, I even the thing like the high mileage oil, for instance. Um, yeah, even at that, I kind of look at that and go, is there really an extra additive in there that keeps seals pliable? Maybe a little bit. Maybe maybe there is a little something to it. Uh, but is there a huge something to it? I don't, I don't think so. I would use a good quality filter. Uh, you know, there are a, an occasional manufacturer, and, and uh, Hyundai is one of them, for instance, which which put out a technical service bulletin that said, you have to use a Hyundai filter because we've found that the aftermarket filters don't have the anti-drainback valve in it that we require in our filters, and some of the aftermarket ones don't have it. I've seen some of these cheap filters, you know, the ones you see sometimes that are $1.99, you cut them open, and there isn't a lot of filter material inside there compared to the original equipment filter. So I always look for a name brand. You know, even in my car, will I not use a Hyundai filter sometimes? Sure, once in a while. Um, you know, if I'm driving by a Hyundai dealer, I'll swing in and pick up a filter because they're about the same price. They're five or six bucks. So, you know, I'll use a, I'll use a Hyundai filter because, because, but you know, other than that, um, use a good quality filter, use good oil and check it, check it every couple thousand miles. All right. Okay. All right. Take care, John. Bye-bye. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to play a little bit of trivia. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Robert Jeffers, pastor of First Baptist Church Dallas and Bible teacher on the program Pathway to Victory. I want to encourage you to vote. Many of us are concerned about the direction of our country, but very few evangelical Christians actually vote. 
Remember, as John Jay said, God has given us the privilege of choosing our rulers. Use that privilege. Vote November 8th. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman. You know, I make my living in Hollywood, but I choose to keep my money with the City of Boston Credit Union. As a member for over two decades, I put my family's trust in the City of Boston Credit Union with four full-service branches, including their latest in Canton. Check out the City of Boston Credit Union at cityofbostoncu.com and see how you, too, can become a member today. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Federally insured by NCUA. With the leaves falling and the temperature dropping, it won't be long before we're dealing with wintry driving conditions. Partner up with Sullivan Tire and Auto Service, and we'll get you ready for anything Old Man Winter has in store. Now through October 31st, stop into any Sullivan Tire, buy three, and get the fourth tire free on thousands of top-quality winter tires in stock. Tires that are perfect for challenging New England weather, and we've got them to fit any size car, SUV, or light truck. And Sullivan Tire does more than just offer the best deals on tires. Trust our team of ASE certified professionals to keep your car running right all season long. Winterizing, engine diagnostics, factory scheduled maintenance, transmissions, brakes, batteries, steering and suspension, exhaust systems, wiper blades, and so much more. Right now, save big on winter tires. Buy three and get the fourth tire free. Does not include Michelin brand tires. Don't let winter get the best of you. Trust Sullivan Tire to get you ready. Visit SullivanTire.com. Call 877-592-TIRE. For over 50 years, the Conservative Book Club has guided readers to the best conservative books and authors of our time. The Conservative Book Club provides a much-needed resource for readers interested in conservative politics and conservative values. Membership is free. The Conservative Book Club wants to thank you for your commitment to conservative principles by offering the chance to win a $100 gift card from Amazon. Details at conservativebookclub.com Boston or at wrolradio.com. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to The Car Doctor program. Let's go right over to the phones. Let's talk to Robert. Robert. Good morning, John. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, I had a couple of comments, actually. One, you know, the uh, you were talking about the oil filters. Yep. I happen to work, uh, I had breakfast with a gentleman on weekends, and he works for a company that manufactures everybody's filter medias. Okay. And he said, with the exception of the wicks, which I'm always advocating, they're all the same, the other filters, but they're so stringent and particular, there's more media and it's the starters. Yeah. Those tend to last long. It might be kind of like the uh, so-called synthetic oil filter. Yeah. I think that's probably the only difference. Yeah. I, yeah. The yeah. I've seen. I've cut some cheap filters apart, and I look at the material, and then I cut like a, a original equipment one apart, or a name brand, you know, better name brand one apart, and you look at them, and you're like, there's twice as much stuff in here. There's twice yeah. as much material. Yeah. That's the big difference in why it lasts so long. Yeah. In fact, I even, you know, I go to <clears throat> your friends there, Sullivan Tire, and I make sure they put a Wix filter on mine. Yep. They do with the oil change. You know? Yep. And then, second, Although it's I, funny, they, they and I don't even know if they still do, and 
Uh, Chris Oxner, who worked for Sullivan Tire for 40 years, just recently retired, and it's probably close to 40 years, just recently retired, and I said something to them about they have a, a filter, I think it's Group 7 or something. I said, what about those? And he said, i got to tell you, I went to the factory, I looked at them, looked at how they were made, and he says, these are actually really good filters. And he said, they're just, you know, they're, they're just a, a filter designed for, you know, for uh, you know, oil change places and stuff. And he said, I got to tell you, he said, quality-wise, he said, they're, they, they do everything they're supposed to do. And they're uh, and I said because I looked at him, I went, you know, they come in a plain white box. It's about as generic looking as you can get. And he said, no, no, they do their job. They do their job just the way yeah. they're supposed to. Yeah. So and those anti drain back valves are definitely important. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, you know, the oil the oil drains out of the filter when it sits overnight or a couple of days or a couple of hours or whatever, and all of a sudden you start it up and you know it sounds yeah. like there's no oil in the car because yeah. it needs that as that little primer space. So. And yep. The other thing you were talking about, uh, defensive driving courses, mm-hmm. that is a great idea. It almost should be mandatory, you know, so you can take a car under a skid, ice, yep. or whatever. Oh, yeah, just and for anybody just to know what it feels. I still talk to people every day who said, oh, I went to jam on my brakes, and they made all kinds of noise. And I said, well, that's the ABS system yeah. doing its job. Yeah. yeah. I know back in the day when I was a teenager, I used to use parking lots when there were no malls open or manufacturing we used to do our own donuts and skids you know my buddies and i so we were kind of learning how to so do you so do you stop that just as you were a teenager or do you, every once in a while do you still go out um maybe I all right I all right i won't admit to it <laughs> there you go <laughs> okay all right thanks robert take care right. bye-bye why don't we take that next break but before we do we'll throw out the trivia question and a little mitsubishi based what was the name of the first Mitsubishi pickup truck sold in the United States? What was the name of the Mitsubishi pickup truck that was sold in the United States, the first one? If you know the answer, give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, and we will send you out a uh, busted knuckle garage mag finger so you can pick up that little nut or bolt that fell down in a hole that you can't reach. And we'll also send you out a can of... Uh, uh, Invisible glass and repel. We'll be right back. On August 29th, the immigration policy changed with the implementation of the Provisional Unlawful Presence Waiver Rule. These new changes impact the way waivers are issued. They include new visa classifications and redefines who qualifies as a relative. Call Nicole and her team at Immigration Solutions today to see how the expanded Provisional Waiver Rule will impact your family. Call 617-536-0584 or immsolutionsllc.com. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some urgent news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from PBS host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. 
This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we're about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-422-3838 now to get your personalized copy rushed to you today. Do you want to avoid mistakes baby boomers and seniors can make when they buy annuities? Those mistakes now could be costly later to you and your family. Call 800-422-3838. That's 800-422-3838. Employees of J.D. Melberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. For over 50 years, the Conservative Book Club has guided readers to the best conservative books and authors of our time. The Conservative Book Club provides a much-needed resource for readers interested in conservative politics and conservative values. Membership is free. The Conservative Book Club wants to thank you for your commitment to conservative principles by offering the chance to win a $100 gift card from Amazon. Details at conservativebookclub.com slash boston or wrolradio.com. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to The Car Doctor program. Well, I guess we came up with a tough trivia question. Uh, what was the name of the First Mitsubishi pickup truck sold in the United States. Give you a little clue. It was uh, originally called a Mitsubishi Triton. It's a compact pickup truck produced by Mitsubishi. Uh, it was originally known as the Mitsubishi Forte in Japan from 1978 to 1986. When its name was discontinued as the pickup truck was not sold in its home market for a while, it returned to Japan in 91 as the Strata. And then in the United States, there were two captive imports of the Forte, which were sold by Chrysler Corporation. And uh, it was the Dodge Ram 50 and the Plymouth Arrow truck. Then Mitsubishi itself imported it as the, well, that's the answer. You have to know. And if you're online, you just figured out. I just read that from Wikipedia. Uh, But they reported it as the, what was the name? And they began selling it directly in the United States from 1982 to 1996. So it was around, it was actually around for 14 years or so. So what was the name of the first Mitsubishi pickup truck? Some of the other, some of the other things uh, you should know about if you're considering, uh, is my car subject to some sort of safety campaign or recall? Well, you can call 888-327-4236, and uh, that's the National Highway Traffic Safety Vehicle Hotline. Or you can just go to National Highway Traffic Safety, and their their website's pretty good now because you can actually put in the vehicle identification number for your car, and it'll tell whether specific recalls have been performed. So rather than just say, oh, yeah, this 2007 Ford Focus has been recalled, and you don't know if yours is one of the serial numbers that was, it will actually tell you based on the serial number, and it tells you whether it's been completed. So you can look at it and go, well, yeah, it was recalled, but I don't have to worry about it because they fixed it. So uh, speaking of recall, Subaru's recalling about half a million legacy and outback vehicles from 2000. 
10 to 14 model years, according to a bulletin from National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. The windshield wiper motor cover on some of these vehicles may not have been properly manufactured. The component was supplied by a company in American Mitsubu. Mitsubu. That's what it is, corporation. Uh, if that sounds familiar, it's probably because Subaru conducted a similar recall in 2011 with 2010 and 11 cars. So apparently in the three years following, they still didn't fix what was wrong. Today's recall is slightly different, though, even though the vehicle was repaired five years ago. So if you have a 2010 or 2011 Subaru and you're like, I brought this in for this recall, it's similar but different. Let's, uh, where are we going first? Let's try Mike. Mike, is that you? Good morning, John. It is. It is. Okay, John. This is going to be out of the clear blue here. Really? So this is no internet help? Uh, well, the problem is the internet won't come up. So that's, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the issue. All right. Um, I'm going to. I'm just going to try L2000, and that's as far as I got. So. Uh, that would be your L out of luck. I don't know. No, that's not it. <laughs> but it was a good try, though. There was yeah, well, the, uh, I don't know where you got it from because most of the export markets actually use the name L200. So you were actually pretty oh. close, but, uh, okay. and, right. yeah. That, that, that's as far as I got you on. So yeah. I, I gave it a yeah. If you, you know, maybe, maybe you saw it in Portugal when it was called the L200 Straka, <laughs> which I don't even know yeah. what that is, but yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Take yeah. care. Right. Happy Halloween to you. All right. You as well. Let's go to John. John? Hello? Hello? Hi. How about uh, Mitsubishi Triton? Uh, Triton was what it was originally called when it was sold, but that wasn't what it was called when it was sold in the United States. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Mitsubishi Triton, they, according to Wikipedia, is a compact truck produced by Mitsubishi. Uh, it was originally known as the Forte in Japan. Uh, it was also known as the Strata in places. It was also sold as the Ram 50 in Plymouth Arrow. But then Mitsubishi brought it into the United States from 82 to 96 and called it the something else. All right. But good try, though. All right, thank you. All right, take Bye. care. Bye-bye. So we got a tough question here. No one knows. And the, and after I say the answer, everybody's going to go, oh, of course, that's what it is. So, um, you know, I feel bad. I feel bad for people whose Internet doesn't work. Paul Sullivan's over there with his smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> He'll know in a minute. He just thinks he's so smart. But the good thing is if he wins, I don't have to mail anything. I'll just bring it in next time, <laughs> make it easier. Uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, and then we also we also had somebody who questions whether Nat King Cole actually played the piano on the Route sixty six theme. Just to let you know, so we'll have to we'll have to work on we'll have to work on the answer to that question sometime soon too. So, well, we were talking about self driving cars earlier. Tesla says it will install self driving hardware on all new vehicles. Tesla Motors said it will equip all its model builds from now on with hardware that enables fully autonomous driving, according to CEO Elon Musk. The technology will not be deployed immediately, but will be switched on gradually. I want If it's there, I want it to work. Not, not the other way around. He said, including the upcoming Model 3, which is their cheaper vehicle, he said it will have an eight camera sensors and it will increase um, 
from one and uh, 12 ultra- ultrasonic sensors. The hardware will disable certain functions of autopilot Tesla's semi-autonomous software. That's uh, different from uh, autopilot, so one's going to be a little bit different than the other. After millions of miles in real-world testing, he said the upgrades will be delivered to vehicles over the air every two to three months beginning at the end of this year. Much of the research will be done while the hardware is in shadow mode. You know, I don't want my car having doing testing and not telling me. just doesn't seem right. But I suppose my computer does it all the time. My TV probably does it, too. Let's, uh, where are we going? Let's see if Phil knows the answer. Phil? Good morning, Car Doctor. Good morning. Yeah, Mighty Max. Mighty Max, you're absolutely right. You're mighty right. You're mighty right. How'd you know that? Did you know it because you're smart, or did you know it because Google's smart? My uh, internet comes up really good. <laughs> yeah, you know? so you knew it. You knew it because Google's smart. So okay, right? Yeah. What you know? Can you can you imagine if uh, you know if you lived in the, I don't know you know the 1930s and you had a smartphone? How you know people would think you were a wizard. Well, a lot of people. I think people were smarter back then. They had to be. Well, they had. Well, yeah, they but had there was. To know yeah, they, now you don't have to know anything. You just have to know how to turn your phone or right. computer on. And then you can be as smart as can be. Well, the most important thing is you got to know what to type in. That's right. That's right. I was ta- I was talking to somebody the other day about um, YouTube, and he's like, you know, pretty much everything you do around the house, you can actually do on you can do on YouTube. You look it up; it kind of tells you what to look at, and then you figure it out on your own. That's right. DIY. Do it yourself. Do it yourself, and uh, and use YouTube to do it. So stay right there, and uh, Carol will get your address down, and we'll uh, we'll send you out. We'll have uh, Warren Tracy send you out a magnetic finger. We'll also send you out a can of uh, invisible glass uh, clean and repel. Very good. Thank you. All right. Much. Thank you. Bye bye now. Okay, Carol will take care of Phil. So there's our aunt, there's our winner for this week. So whew, was tough. It was tough. Um, there's a, uh, a spy photo, it says, it emerged from a Jeep dealer meeting uh, that offered a glimpse of the upcoming Grand Wagoneer, which confirms how closely a redesigned 2008 Wrangler will, uh, will stick in the off-roader's current styling. The poster photographed at the event meeting, and this is always, I always, I always look at this stuff and go, well, yeah, they, they, it's a spy photo from a dealer meeting. It's not a spy photo. They let them, they said, go take a picture and send it to somebody. Um, the poster photographed at the re- recent meeting shows uh, some of the future nameplates. This is Grand Wagoneer that's decidedly taller and wider than the current Grand Cherokee. The Compass, which debuts in North America next month at the L.A. Auto Show, didn't appear in the poster. The Grand Wagoneer has seven LEDs per headlight, Yay. You know, which look good when they're off. Not so good when they're on, actually. But um, So it has that. So they try to make a lot of this. The Grand Cherokee front fascia is different, though a little bit more aggressive look. The LED lighting is also used on the lower fog lights, above what appear to be sensors or camera arrays. In the rear image of Grand Wagoneer, each uh, has a horizontal tail light array that also carries seven LEDs. Seven seems to be the magic number here. The uh, three-row Grand Wagoneer will ride on a stretch version of the next-generation Grand Cherokee platform and will share a number of smaller vehicle cues coming up so i don't know i don't know if it's a spy photo or not well we have a couple minutes left but let's go real quick to tom tom good morning sir how are you good good thank you i just want to make a quick comment about going down route three yes expressway yes those new 
signs that are out. They drive me nuts. They're so small. I was wondering if they could make the font a little bit smaller. Yeah, they're actually will. It's an eye test. If you can't see it, it means you don't have 20-20 vision. Oh, well. <laughs> I guess I'm with 90% of all the Americans. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, trying to figure it out, and sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. They don't give you, like, how many minutes between the miles. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, it's, it's a work in progress. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, sometimes they're, they're right on the money accurate, and sometimes they're not even close. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's magic how they work because they 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 use uh, transponder information and cell phone information. Oh, yeah. So that's why, why do they make the print so small so you can just barely see it? I don't know. Yeah, it's like uh, you get the whole bulletin board there yeah. to fill up. Yeah, because because a twenty year old with good vision probably designed it. I don't know. But they're too busy texting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Tom. Have a great week. All right, you too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hey, look, it's Paul Sullivan over there with the answer to trivia. What kind of car was it? Mighty Max. Mighty Max. How'd you know that? I looked it up. Exactly. Like, like everybody else did. No one Sa- knows the answer you, to that. Yeah, same as, how do you think I got the question? Exactly. Yeah, I looked up Mitsubishi trivia. Yeah. And I said, huh, that looks like a good question. Right. Because, you know, the, the idea of having to use your memory for things, said mm-hmm. I was. No. You know, then you have to get really obscure. It's like, you know, what was the license plate on, you know, on Magnum PIs, you know, whatever or something, you know. There are two people Robin the sound Robin. of our voice yeah. that had that bought and owned Mighty Mac. Maybe. 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 Yeah. Well, sound of our voice in the world. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was so, talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not just in this room, because well, that, which would also be the sound of our voice. Wait a minute. Voice, stop, but. stop the presses. Someone debated that Nat King Cole was the piano. Yeah. Piano yeah. According to Karen. Somebody called in twice and said, "No, no, that's well, not." It. Did they identify who it was? I'd no. like to give credit where credit is due. No, I don't. I don't believe they did. Well, then how do they know? I don't know. I just heard the other side of the conversation. What's the source? <laughs> I need what's, citations. I what's just, What's your source? Uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. A, a a a social a social influenced uh, free website of information. Well, the thing about it is Karen's playing the Route 66 bumper music there. I'm not sure if that's the theme that was on the TV show or somebody, you know. Yeah, so that's sort of like the yeah, radio the radio it. version yeah, of yeah, that yeah. you don't have to pay copyright so, rules. But to. what we could do is play that in its entirety at some point, maybe on my show, not yours, <laughs> but um, see if the piano is in there. Yeah. Or, better yet, we could just play an entire version of Route 66 the entire show, right? Maybe one of them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Maybe one. Stars in that yeah, show? yeah. I don't remember. Uh, I don't know. Uh-huh. Two guys, two guys in a Corvette. Um, yeah, but yeah, they were probably famous. Yeah, like yeah. Steve McQueen. Yeah. probably didn't. Didn't one of them always comb his hair? You know, like me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, the actually, you know, there's going to be a couple weeks in about a month or so. I'm going to go on vacation, so we're going to have a little best of going on. So Excellent. maybe one of the best of Karen, shows should uh, be producing that. Uh, she is going to be good yeah. job. So maybe in that 90 minutes, we can we can play a whole series of Route 66. It can be like old time radio. Hmm. Yeah, I think it needs the pictures though. But I think yeah, yeah. I, I think the idea needs work, Frank. <laughs> I just thought of it. But Come that's on. just me. Every, hey, every, every, that King Cole <laughs> or somebody. <laughs> It's somebody. Nelson Riddle. I don't know. It's somebody. I don't know. 
Pe- 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 yeah, before we go, what's up yeah. with the Irish Hit Parade today? I have no, no idea. <laughs> best uh, in Irish best, music. Be, yeah. Best in Irish music heard anywhere right here on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Oh, and we'll play Halloween by the Wolf Tones, I promise. And Halloween by the Wolf Tones. Right. Exactly. Coming up. Bye. <laughs> Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>